Uh, turn with me to Revelation 19, please. And uh, we're looking at the names of God. Um, we're doing a series on Romans, but I just felt for a couple of weeks we're going to just stop and breathe courage into the church. Times are changing, Ukraine, Russia, fuel prices are changing. I want to just make sure that we are established in the name of God. And, uh, but I want to welcome two people here today. Um, I won't embarrass you by naming you or by calling you out. But uh, my brother-in-law is here today, Sean Quinn. And um, why are you laughing? I, I, I'm not going to point him out. I mean, he could be anywhere. My brother-in-law is here today. And um, I, want, I want to say to this, I love you, bud. Or but. And I never ever thought I would get the day when you would SMS me and say you want to come to our church. I never thought it would happen. But it did today. And uh, when I saw you walking in the door, I want to tell you my heart leapt. It's fantastic to have you here today. Then I want to just put a picture up on the board of two rugby players. That's two schoolboys that have been on a journey. The boy on the right's name is Jack Waterhouse. He's a South African school's lock. You can just keep it up there. And his parents are here today. And I, I want to welcome them. And um, I want to tell you about this young man. You can take it off. But this young man played under 16B wing at his school. He played under 16B wing. And uh, he played under 15B wing and under 16B wing. And then the coach of his rugby team went to go and watch his son playing water polo. And while he was playing, watching his son playing water polo, he watched this guy come out of the water. He watched him come out of the water, and he said to him, you need to change your position from wing to lock. He said, but sir, I'm, uh, he said, no, no, you need to change to lock. And in 18 months, he went from under 16B wing to South African schools lock. In 18 months. His brother did feed him five teaspoons of peanut butter every day. Because sometimes, you, you know, wings and locks don't go the same. But I think when, when, I, when I looked at that picture, I thought probably what we're trying to do when we preach the Word of God is to pull the original design that God had over your life out of you. So whatever position you find yourself in, if you're sitting here divorced, I've got to pull wholeness out of you. I've got to pull you into a position where you start to live in the fullness of how God designed you. And so every time we sit under the Word of God, we should believe that inside of this Bible that is absolutely alive is the ability to change my circumstance so that I can actually start living according to the ways of God. So when the Bible says don't get drunk on wine, he's not actually spoiling your party so it's like all the goody two-shoes. I don't want to come to church because I'm not allowed to get drunk. No, what wine does, friends, it suppresses my inhibition, so I start to actually act outside of character. So you see people who are shy, standing on tables, dancing and stripping. You think, how on earth did they get there? Alcohol. Suppress them. But the Bible says, rather be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that you can actually start to live while you were designed. So instead of actually numbing things, rather let things be highlighted in your life. And so you can actually dance on the table freely because of the way you were designed. You were designed to be free. And so we don't have to numb ourselves to act out of character. We actually have to enlighten ourselves. Amen? And so every time we sit under the Word of God, we should be ready for God to change us, to do something with us, to call us to something that is greater than ourselves. And so we're looking at the names of God. In Proverbs 18, 
It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. You think these songwriters write great songs? They just take the Bible. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you know the name of God, if you know the name of God, you can live in any province, in any country, in any economic circumstance, under any government without panicking. Some of you are putting your passports into move. I'm telling you, friends, your children are safer in South Africa under the name of God than they will be under, in Australia under the humanity of secular, secular humanism. And so you've got to know God. You've got to know. All, all the names have meanings. Van Nikerk. Van Dikerk. Nee, Van Nikerk. Nee, Van Nikerk. That's actually not, not from the church. It's actually from the new church. When, when a group of people broke away from religion into a new church, it says, ah, hulle is van die nieuwe kerk, die van Nikerk. And all of you guys who are Potter and Taylor and Butler, we know where you came from. <laughs> and Aliela de Cox, your great-grandfather was a chef. <laughs> Just got passed all the way down. I'm a dyer. Now, I wasn't in the funeral business. My family took clothes and they added color to it. I'm a dyer. And the Engelbrechts. Is when somebody had a revelation of the angel, the bright angels. And we've got a family in this church called the Seven Stars. Jesus held the seven stars in his hands. People of the church. And a name is vitally important. Amen? The Snaymans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello. Hello, doctor. What's your name? Dr. Saki Snayman. And... Uh, Lekker, dokter. Wat gaan ons vandag doen? Ek weet nie. Ek weet nie, ek weet nie. Groot probleme, ja. Groot, groot, groot probleme. Dankie, dokter. Dankie. Now, the snijmans were actually tailors. They were tailors. They cut cloth. And the steenkamps. They're all, they're all there. So we're trying to learn the names of God so that when you walk out of here, you feel confident. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Yes. My desire when you sit under our preaching is that you'll feel safe. Whether you're a single girl or a divorced woman or you've been married, I just pray that you'll feel safe when you sit under our preaching. So Revelation 19, we're going to look at five names of God today. And, uh, and we're going to try and implement them. Revelation 19 and verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Say Faithful and True. First name of God. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. So what names are we going to learn about? The name that nobody knows about. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Say the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. 
He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Say God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Say that with me, King of Kings, King of kings. And, Lord of Lords. and Lord of Lords. So we're going to learn about five names today. Faithful and true, the name that nobody knows, the Word of God, God Almighty, and King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's nice to know, friends, and I hate reading News 24. I take them on all the time because I think some of those... Um, Journalists are very biased, and they're very biased against God and against the church. And so every single week in News 24, you read one report of a pastor who's been unfaithful. You always read it. Pastor eats snakes, or pastor rips off people, or pastor... That's why I said there are pastors in the city that have served God for decades. Still married to the same wife, still loving their children, still loving Jesus, still loving the church. And when we prove faithfulness, friends, we start to reveal the character of God to the world. And Nicky Gumbel, who wrote Alpha, retired last week. After nearly 50 years in the same church, 1.4 billion people have watched Alpha. 1.4 billion. He wrote it. He was a barista. Barrister. He didn't make coffee, he did law. Whatever the difference is. Those baristas are a law unto themselves anyway. <laughs> this is what his friend wrote. This weekend, my friend and mentor, Nicky Gumbel, preaches for the last time as leader of HTB in London, Holy Trinity Church in London. One of the most amazing churches, an Anglican church that has started 130 churches around the world, probably one of the most famous churches in the world, led by one of the most humble men in the world. It's a moment worth marking because Nikki and Pippa have served the Lord faithfully, with integrity, without any hint of scandal, with extraordinary effectiveness and kindness for nearly 50 years. And if, like me, you're exhausted, heartbroken, disillusioned, and disappointed by the litany of leaders letting us down, it's worth celebrating those who really don't. The simple fact of Nicky Gumbel's long obedience in the same directions are remarkable. 48 years following Jesus since turning from atheism to Christianity at Cambridge University in 1974. Friends, with the amazing attack on Christianity, I want to tell you it is not here. It's here. And people say to me, Christianity is mindless. No, there are professors who serve God, and there are street sweepers who serve God. There are professors who are atheists, and there are street sweepers who are atheists, because the faith comes through here, not through here. Forty-four years married to Pippa, Raising two sons, a daughter, and a throng of grandchildren. 36 years in ministry at one single church. 19 of them as its curate, associate pastor, and then as its vicar since 2005. Growing HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton, into one of the most influential churches in the United Kingdom. And helping to plant a network of new and revived churches around the nation. Friends, the Anglican church was dying. They had all these buildings that were being turned into flatlets. And he said, we're going to preach the gospel and raise up a group of young men and women who will go and stand by the faith. What is Jesus' name? 
Say it. Faithful and true. Faithful and true. 32 years quietly running his own Alpha small group every week whilst turning the course into a global resource that has introduced literally millions to Jesus and has also become a major catalyst for Christian unity. Friends, he's run 96 Alpha courses in a row. It's a 14-week course. He's run it for 30 years, three times a year, not as the leader. He wrote it. He is the author of the course. He has run it as the associate leader, making tea and coffee for people, 96 in a row. What's your God like? He's faithful and true. Is there anybody you can point towards? Nicky Gumbel? Hopefully some of us who will stick with our wives through thick and thin, who will stick with the church through thick and thin, who will be faithful and true. 30 plus years reading the scriptures daily, working through the entire Bible every year, making personal notes as he did so until eventually these reflections became a daily email in 2009, which has gone on to become one of the most downloaded devotionals in the world. These numbers speak of faithfulness over decades and fruitfulness in the millions. But let me add a small couple of other things. Friends, faithfulness is one of the greatest ways in a dreadfully unfaithful world that we represent God well. I spoke last week about an orphan girl that I met in in Durban and a man SMS me and he said to me in the, in the afternoon, he said, I'll I tell you what, Rory, that orphan girl that you met, I'd like to pay for her university fees. But I've been wrestling the whole week with this concept of faithful and true. You see, friends, you can't just be faithful, you have to be faithful and true. And the latest authors in the church are writing books now called No More Lies. Because what happens when you get born, we are formed in a certain way. And then through the people that we hang around with, it can be the school that I hang around with. You can hang around Uffies, you can hang around Vartercliffe, you can hang around Michaelas. The people you hang around conform you. And much of that conformity is no longer the truth of God. We buy into things that we no longer believe in. And through experiences like divorce and death, we get deformed. So we've got a formation that God gives us. We've got conformity by the people we hang around. We have deformity by the experiences that we go through. And God says, I want to transform you so that you're faithful and true. I preached about giving my watch to my sister, my Rolex watch. A man walked up to me with tears in his eyes and he said, thank you for giving your watch away. I want to bless you with my watch. I said, please don't, sir. I don't take gifts after I've preached. He said, no, I felt God say I must give it to you. So I took the watch because I couldn't argue with him. And I went home and when I was 20 years old, I wrote down 15 things that would hold me true to myself. And one of the things I wrote, that I will not receive a gift within 120 days of ever preaching on any subject. And I held that watch and I traveled around with that watch and, 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 I, and I had to come back to him last week and I said, sir, I know your heart, I know you love me, I know all these things, but I will not be able to wear this watch because I will compromise something that I wrote 34 years ago that has held me true. And when my son left Pretoria on Wednesday and drove down to Durban, 
he left his watch on my desk and said, Dad, I love you. I had to say to that man, well, I'm saying it to him now, when I spoke about that orphan girl in Durban, the responsibility of her education, sir, is not yours. The responsibility of her education is mine. Because otherwise, I will just use this pulpit to do whatever I like with the agenda that I have. So every time I pop a tire, I will tell my people that I've popped a tire or broken my exhaust, and somebody will feel God say, they must fix it. But we'll compromise on the value system that God has given to us, faithful and true. Faithful and true. I met, friends, I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. I am wrestling with these things because every one of us has got an area of influence that is seriously under threat of being compromised at any time. And we have to have something that we can measure our lives with and say, I'm being true to myself. As a pastor, the greatest pain that I see is that people who walk into my office, their personal persona and their private persona is not the same. And over time, we drift. Every one of us drift. Every one of us has got this gap. And so when I say to you, he is faithful and Nikki Gumbel is faithful, every one of us has been unfaithful. If you're sitting here and you've been unfaithful to your wife, then go towards the faithful one. I'm no condemnation, no judgment. I'm just telling you who Jesus is. And at this time, friends, when the head of the gambling board has bought a house in Pekinwood Gulf Estate, we need men and women who will stand up, who have got finances under their care and will take care of them and prove faithful and true. Amen? I spoke to the Uffies coach this week. Hey, I've been operating in circles, name dropping. Hello, Yaku. Although last week I get that Perry on moet, ne? Hello, Perry. Hello, Yaku. I said, how's it going? He said, hey, Rory, it's an amazing thing. I said, uh, what's that, Yaku? He said, there's a man in your church. And at Craven Week for the Blue Bulls, there were a whole lot of Blue Bulls players that couldn't pay. And this man paid for their Craven Week. And you know what he said to me, Rory? I said, what did he say to Yucky? He said, never ever tell the boys who paid. But tell them this. One day, when they have the ability to pay for another boy to go to Craven Week, tell them to do it as he pays for it. I said, that's incredible. How many did he pay for? He said he paid for many boys. You know, the man who paid for the boys at Craven Week was the same man who said he would pay for the education of the Indian girl in Durban. Just be faithful, sir, with what God has called you to, and thank you. That sitting in this midst of men and women, faithful and true. You know, I was reading a story in one of the commentaries of a man whose wife committed adultery, and he said he continued to love her. And he loved her and loved her and she left and she, they got divorced and she married another man but he kept the pictures of her up in his house and he said eventually the pain of the pictures became so strong that he had to take the pictures down and he had to put them in a, in a, in a, in a, a, a chest or a kist and eventually he destroyed the pictures and the commentator says if we want to understand what the faithfulness of God means in this scripture, 
then we've got to know that we have been unfaithful. We have walked out on God. It is unbelievably painful, but he will never take down your picture. How beautiful is that? So the opposite of faithfulness is unfaithfulness. If you've been unfaithful today, I want to tell you, God will never take your picture down. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are? They are safe. They are safe. Where's Eden? Has she gone out? Sorry, you come here quickly. Is Mrs. Dollenberg here? Mrs. Dollenberg, are you here? No, not that. Uh, mother. Mother Dollenberg. Where are you, Mrs. Dollenberg? Come, come, Mrs. Mother Dollenberg. Come, Kath. Come, Eugene. Just stand in a row and, and look at the stage. Just go a bit further. A bit further. Face the stage. A bit further, Jara. Stop, Kath. Come, Mrs. Dollenberg. Come, Eugene. Stephen, come here, bud. Up, jump up. So if Stephen walks, just, just walk. This is firstly his friend. He's walking. Say, Stephen. Stephen. You'll stop. You stop for your friends, bro. <laughs> Don't you listen to the preaching? No greater lover is a man than this, than he lays down his life for his brother. And then he keeps walking. He says, my son, you stop. You keep walking. Beautiful babe. You handsome hunk. You glorious specimen created in the image of God. And he stops and he keeps walking. And you say, dad. And he stops. And he keeps walking. You know what the Bible says? Jesus, stop there, just stop there. Jesus, just look at that way. Jesus has a name that nobody knows. Jesus has a name that nobody... Why do you think he got that? The, the, the author of, of one of the books says this. He said he, he gave his whole life to learn the names of Jesus. And after 12 years of study, he came up with 200 names of God. And then he thought... He read a book where a guy said there are 365 names of God. So he thought, flip, I'll beat you too. So he went and studied and he said he found 702 names of Jesus in the Bible. But then he found this one that says he's got a name that nobody knows. Wonder why. So I can call him, I have, I have many names of God. Father, Son, Savior, Healer, Provider. How did we pull this building off? Jesus is a Provider. But there's a name, friends, that he will not stop for because he will not be controlled by human beings. He will not be controlled by human beings. It doesn't matter what your relationship is. It doesn't matter if you're a friend, if you're a mother, if you're a wife or a daughter. There's a name that he will not stop for because you're not in charge. He is. And I will keep calling that name and, and, and maybe one day I'll hit it and I'll say, Stephen, I'm 54 years old. 
I'm, I'm, I'm in Pretoria. I'm at a crossroads of my life. Uh, uh, Jesus, please, can you hear me? Will you? And maybe he'll just turn around and say, son. Maybe I just keep calling until maybe I'll just hit the name. Or maybe I'll actually just trust him and follow him even when I don't know his name. What's the name of the God you follow? King, Lord, Savior, friend, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last, the, eyes who's, the one whose eyes are like fire, and the one who's got a name that I do not know, and I will follow him in the midst of my absolute cluelessness. What is the future of South Africa? What, I know that he's faithful. I know that he's true. I know that he's kind. I know that he's generous. I know that he looks after my children. I'll just keep following him. Amen? You may be seated. Thank you. Oh, we've got a long time. Let's, let's go quickly. He's called the Word of God. Say the Word of God. We haven't got time to look there now, but Paul is in chains in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Maybe you can put the scripture up. Paul says this, you can chain me, but you can't chain the Bible. You can't chain the Word of God. The Bible says Jesus' name is the Word of God. I want to tell you, friends, we have got a major crisis in our country right now where institutions that were started on the foundation of this Bible are compromising with the constitution of this nation. They are compromising because they don't actually understand how this works. This is a father writing a letter to his children. You want to talk about land distribution? It's inside here. You want to talk about interpersonal relationships? It's inside here. You can't chain this book. They can throw us in jail. They can shut the church down. They can put COVID restrictions on us. You can't chain this book. And many of you are sitting here and you're scared of this book. You don't know how to read it. This book, friends, what it says is not actually a book. It's a person. It says the name of Jesus is the word of God. And so when you read this book, it's like talking to Melanie. Hey, my sweetie. Hey, babe. How's it going? What should they hold? And the more we talk, the more we find out about each other's day. That's what this book is. In Acts chapter 12, it looks like the church is about to come to an end. It says Herod is breathing out murderous threats against the church. James has been killed. Peter's been stuck in prison, Acts chapter 12. And it looks like the church is about to fall down in a heap. And it says this, but the church earnestly prayed. And at the end of the chapter, it says this, Herod is dead, Peter is free, and the word of God continued to increase and spread. There's a man in this church today. He came to this church through a business interaction I had with him. I'm in business with him. And, and, and we did business dealings together, and through our friendship, he started coming to church. And this week, we had a business meeting where we had to sign a contract on Wednesday at one of my friend's restaurants. He introduced me to a restaurant. We were sitting in your friend Rob's restaurant, Nico. We were sitting in the restaurant. We had to sign a business deal. But actually, friends, that day, his personal circumstances actually needed him to have a pastor. He didn't need me to be there as a man who signs a contract. He needed me there as a pastor. But God superseded that. And when his Bible app popped open, God gave him a verse from the book of Proverbs. He said, Rory, I actually don't need your advice because God spoke to me today. Friends, this is a living, active word. And what worries me about my own school 
and I, and I kicked the whole curriculum down. My school produces scientists, and it produces rugby players, and it produces businessmen, and it produces engineers, but it doesn't produce Christians. But it was started, my school was started by the Reverend William Ord Newnham to produce men who understood the word. The word, friends, is not frightening. The word is a person. The righteous run to it and they are? There is enough inside here. To con- you, know, you know, friends, God gave me one verse of scripture. We had a strike at our business four and a half years ago. And there was absolute pandemonium. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And God gave me a verse of scripture that said, I, the Lord, love justice. And the chairman of an oil company phoned me. And he said, Rory, it is justice speaking. And when he walked into the meeting, I shook his hand. There was absolute pandemonium. And I said, God told me that he loves you. And we've been battling for four years to come to an arrangement. For four years, we, he's an amazing man. We've been battling. We haven't seen eye to eye. They've changed the general manager four times. So this week, I walked, last week, I walked into a meeting. Actually, I asked for a meeting on the 1st of June. They gave me a meeting on the 13th of July, which happens to be my birthday. The reason why I was born. And on my birthday, I walked into the meeting, and the chairman is there. His name is Justice. And the new general manager that I'm being introduced to, the fourth general manager, who changes the goalposts all the time. The general manager puts out their hand and says, good morning, Mr. Dyer. I am? Of course. I'm Justice. And I'm thinking, I'm clueless. <laughs> I'm absolutely freaking clueless. But there's justice, and there's justice, and in the Word of God, the only thing I've held on to for my business is I, the Lord, love justice. At 11 o'clock on Friday, I got a phone call from justice and said, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to do. Friends, the Word of God is alive. Amen. The Word of God is alive. Many of you are scared of the Word of God. It's alive. Learn how to read it. Seven minutes a day. Seven minutes a day is enough to do everything. You can run your whole life and your business from it. God Almighty, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I know, I know time is running out. I'm trying to get through the names. God Almighty. Say Almighty. Almighty. Say Almighty. Almighty. Say Petrol Price. Petrol Price. Almighty. Government, Government. Almighty. Almighty, for crying in a bucket, friends, what happens at the ANC policy meeting is not going to shake my confidence. My God is Almighty. Yes. Whether there's a step-aside rule or a step-in rule or a step-out rule or an upside-down rule, I couldn't give a hoot. God is Almighty. And I want to tell you, when I'm gone and this building is rotted and all of us have died, the Bible will still be here and the church will still exist. And the ANC will be listed with Caesar and and Alexander the Great and all those other funny guys. (laughs) Say King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Three things and we close. Peter was fishing all night. Peter was a fisherman. You know, you know, it's hard to tell a fisherman what to do, eh? I'm a fisherman from the free state. The biggest fish I've caught is this size. True story. 
Has anybody caught a bigger fish? <laughs> Who? Oh, come and show. Oh, you see. Okay. Who's caught a bigger fish? Now, come on, put your hands up. Okay, I saw you. Who's caught a bigger fish? In the free state, we measure our fish between the eyes. <laughs> just, I, I don't know how big your fish is. That's how we do it, guys. That's how we do it. We measure it. Just, and it doesn't eat workies. You know what I'm saying? So it's very hard to tell a fisherman what to do. But Jesus says to Peter, after he's fished all night, he's done it his whole life, he inherited the boat from his father, Jesus says, throw the net on the other side. And you're thinking, whoo, hey Jesus, why don't you just do that church stuff and leave the fishing to me? Because you haven't caught many, my mate. And he throws the fish on the, the net on the other side. He says, because you say so, I will. And he catches so many fish that his net begins to break. And you know what he says? Away from me, Lord. Lord. He is king of kings and lord of? Lords. Jesus says, when one man dips his bread in the soup, that is the man who's going to betray me. Eleven of his disciples says, surely not me, Lord. Surely not me, Lord. Surely not me, Lord. Surely not me, Lord. Judas says, surely not me, Master. There was a little piece of his life. It was money that didn't belong to Jesus. So when they offered him 30 gold coins, he took it because Jesus was his master, but he wasn't his Lord. I look at my friend there, Nico, as I was praying this morning. He's built two amazing businesses, the Ear Institute and Eduplex, unbelievable school. He's built it, friends, and he actually wrote a book, a very interesting book called, What Does God Know About Business? Because God said to him, I'm going to teach you about business and about education. He said, what do you know about it? And then through daily devotions, day after day, week after week, month after month, he pulled a business and a school out of the ground. Because actually he's the Lord. What does God know about business? Ask Peter. Ask me. I know nothing about business. But double justice can make things happen. You know what Paul says in 1 Timothy? Let's read 1 Timothy and then we finish. Sorry, I've gone a bit long. 1 Timothy. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Say Lord. Lord. Say it loud. Lord. Lord. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, like most of us were. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our... Say it. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Say abundantly. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full of acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Of whom I am the worst. We don't preach from the platform. We preach from the bottom because I'm here Saved by grace, I am the worst of sinners, but Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Say faithful and, true. faithful and true. The God whose name I don't know. The Word of God, who is a person. God Almighty, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Those names will keep you safe. In Jesus' name. Amen.